okay, now I see what everyone's talking about. You know, I was like finally getting that like runner's high feeling after a workout. I was getting those endorphins, whereas before it was almost like a punishment for myself and I was forcing myself of like, I have to do this. Hey, you could be larger than What is happening, everybody? Larry Roberts here, bringing you another awesome episode. And today is going to be another big win for each and every one of us that have the opportunity to hear our guest's message, because I think she's she's got something great that she's going to be sharing with us. And I'm very thankful that she's taken the time out of her schedule to join me in order to do just that. So, Emily Kaufman is here. Emily, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Larry. Right on, man. This is cool. So I'm really excited because I, I love the name for starters, Girls Gone Healthy. And, you know, I like what you have behind the name and what you're doing there. So you're, you're kind of detaching the concept of health, fitting one particular body type or one particular way of looking at someone that is quote unquote healthy. How did you head that direction and, and, you know, what's the goal overall? Yeah. So, I mean, I was always an athlete growing up. I was a division one athlete in college and people just assume athletes must be healthy, right? I'm taking care of my body. I'm working out. I'm active. And so I always had this strange idea too, that I was healthy. And then I got above my weight that I needed to be for my position. And I was just trying to lose weight, trying to lose weight. I couldn't do it. And I was getting so frustrated. I was like, I thought I was healthy and I can't lose weight. And so I retired from athletics and, you know, I didn't want to go to the gym anymore. I didn't want to do all these things because I was like, oh, I can't lose weight. So why would I eat a salad? <laughs> why would I go work out? Like I had so much definition placed on the scale, placed on my weight. And I was like, you know, there must be better ways to do this. <laughs> that is entirely too funny because you talk about a salad. My wife's been sending me salads. I guess it's a subtle hint. She's been sending salads for lunch, right? And I'm not eating them. I'm just not doing it. Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of a big guy. I'm about 6'3", and a little over the 300-pound range there. So I'm Texas-sized. <laughs> but, man, it's the same gig. I'm like, I'm going to eat the salad for what, dog? I'm going to be hungry. My stomach's going to be growling. Everybody around me going, what is wrong with him? Get some food in. So I just I can't make myself do it. But I know I'm not healthy, and I, I, I'm not trying to sell uh, a 300 pounder is healthy, but I mean, we, you, you know, we meet in the middle somewhere there. So let, let me dig into the, your story a little bit more in that you put on you you you, this is so hard to say with the, with a female, with a lady, uh, you put on more weight than what was required. Are you calling for, me fat? No, <laughs> no, you look great. You look great. <laughs> But you, you um, yeah, and then you found yourself in a position to where, it, well, let me ask you this, because we're going to find out more about it anyhow. Did it have to do with the sport that you were playing as well? I mean, is there a certain range there? Because you were a coxswain, is that what, what it's called? A coxswain, coxswain? yes. Coxswain yep. in, uh, in a rowing team or mm -hmm. on a rowing team. How do you even get into rowing? That's something that I've always <laughs> wanted to know because my school didn't have big, long boats for us to go rowing down the, you know, I don't know, Mississippi or whatever it is, wherever you ride it. Yeah. So I'm really short. I'm five foot, really small. And so that doesn't make me good for a lot of sports. <laughs> and so I finally found rowing. It wasn't through my high school. It was through like this club team. And I was like, I would be so good at that one position because the coxswain is supposed to be small. And so I found it just because I thought I might be good at it and I wanted 
to be in sports and it was a good fit. But yeah, as you're saying, the coxswain does have the requirements. I had to be 110 pounds for all races. You get weighed in. So that was, you know, that weight that I was looking for. It wasn't something that I put on myself, but it was something sure. that it was like this position requires it. That's really interesting, but it makes sense when you're thinking of a particular team and you're, you're trying to achieve a certain speed. I'm sure there's standards there for the team to meet. I know nothing about rowing as a sport. I've just seen it on movies and, you know, like Goodwill Hunting. I was like, oh, that looks kind of cool. Or, you know, what was that other one that he did? I don't remember. But anyways, all those Ivy League schools always oh, yes. do rowing in the movies. So where did you live to, to, to get involved in rowing? I grew up in Boston. So, you know, you got Harvard right there. So yes. that's where you see all the rowing oh, from. <laughs> I, I hit the nail on the head with the Ivy League school. Boy, I freaking know it. I know it. Oh, so no, it's cool. Do you have to reach a certain proficiency in that position that you were in? Or what exactly does that position do? Yeah, so I sit at the back of the boat and I don't have an oar, so I'm not rowing at all, but I'm more coaching from there. So I have a microphone. Okay. I'm coaching, I'm leading, I'm also steering. And so that's what makes it hard with the position too, is you can get good at it by, you know, knowing the sport, knowing your teammates, but the only physical measurement is your weight. You don't have a certain speed that you go, you know, you don't have a mile time, none of that. That was the only requirement. Wow. That's, that's, that's kind of cool, but I can see too where it must take some skill because I know there's some people out there right now going, look, she sits at the back of the boat and she <laughs> does a little rudder. Okay. That's, I don't know what to tell you, but I've seen races, maybe like on fail videos, races of rowers and they wreck into each other and their parents are going crazy. Get out of the way or whatever, you know? So what exactly do you need to, to really hone in on to be great at your position? Yeah, well, you're the leader of the boat and you have to be the best communicator because you're the only one speaking for the nine girls that are in the boat. So I think that, you know, once you can communicate well, all the other skills you build with it. But yeah, if you mess it up, <laughs> those are expensive boats, too. <laughs> so there's nine total or do you have eight that you're telling what to do? There's eight girls in front of me and then I'm the ninth. And do you get like a whip or something if they, cause I mean, like in the, you know, the old movies is like row and row. And if you don't do it right, they smack you or something, you know, I mean, I've oh, I wish <laughs> no, no, no whip. Well, that's too bad. Cause I was like, I might've found a new sport. I don't know. Might need to lose some weight, but I uh, found something new. Well, that's really kind of cool though. And it's just something that not a lot of people get exposure to is the concept of rowing. It's always fun to talk to somebody that's done something that I really can't relate to in any way because it allows me to expand my horizons a little bit and learn more about these sports that I see, but, you know, again, haven't had an opportunity to partake in. So do you still row today? No, not at all. It's a hard sport to do just for fun. You know, I'd have to get together <laughs> nine different people. And so, yeah, the last time I was in college was the last time I competed. Yeah, I didn't know if there were clubs, you know, where y'all get together and somebody brings a boat and somebody brings an oar or something and off y'all go. I don't know. I don't know how it works. So, you know, I mean, I played basketball with just my homies every once in a while on the weekends and we just throw it all together. I didn't know if y'all would do the same thing with uh, with the rowing there. Yeah, I need to start it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, boom, right there. You got something to do now. But you have plenty to do because you're out here and your message is trying to help individuals realize that they're, they're, they don't have to fit a certain mold. They don't have to achieve a certain look in order to be healthy. 
Now, you were saying that you thought you were healthy. Were you or, or weren't you? And how did that realization help develop your message today? Yeah, so while I was in college and competing, I was definitely not healthy. You know, I thought that because I was putting so much energy into my body and into trying to lose weight that, oh, I'm caring about my health. I must be healthy, but I just wasn't. I was going about it in all the wrong ways. I was doing way too much cardio. I was restricting myself with what I was eating. And then also in turn, because I was so down on myself for my physical health, it also really affected my mental health. So there was just no way that I was healthy in college. <laughs> yeah, it took me till after of, okay, if I can't define it based on the scale and I can't define it based on all these things, then I went through that period of like, okay, how can I start defining it? Because that's something that we just never get taught. So how did you go about doing that? I mean, because I know there was a time... I used to be a big karate guy. Still got the black belt back there hanging up right behind me because I can't let it go. It don't fit, but I can't let it go. I know at that time, even when I was super, super active in, in karate, there was a time when that's all I did. I had a karate school. I taught cardio karate at three gyms a day on top of teaching all the karate classes in the evenings. And so all I did was exercise, exercise, exercise. And I was same height, about 6'3", but I was a buck 55 soaking wet. And of course, I couldn't put on weight to save my life. I hired a trainer. I did all kinds of stuff. But really, and it was just a situation where it just wasn't going to work for me. So did you finally, with your realization that you're not as healthy as you thought you were, were you able to achieve your health-related goals after the fact? So once I was no longer the position, I was like, that's it. I call it quits. Like being healthy is too hard. <laughs> so I moved back home to Boston and I didn't join a gym. I didn't do anything. And that next year, like I could tell that I was just off. You know, I no longer had that drive. I no longer was feeling good, really just lacking energy. So I started going to group fitness classes. And that's what like sparked me again, because I felt like I had that team. I had a group of people that I was working out with. And by doing the things that I enjoyed in health and fitness, that's why I was like, okay, now I see what everyone's talking about. You know, I was like finally getting that like runner's high feeling after a workout. I was getting those endorphins. Whereas before it was almost like a punishment for myself. And I was forcing myself of like, I have to do this. And then when I chose, okay, I'm going to do only the things that I enjoyed. That's when I started to realize, okay, this can be fun. This is achievable. Yeah, it's it's hard, I think, to embrace the suck or embrace the grind that is working out. And those that phrase or both those phrases essentially came from wrestling, you know, where you just you embrace that grind every day where you're fighting and you're struggling and you're wrestling. And and I've been listening to some motivational speakers saying that comfort is really a detriment to your health, that you, you need to be uncomfortable. You need to put yourself through the paces. Is that what really kind of kept you out of it until you found this group? And what did the group for, do for you? Did they give you the motivation? Did they inspire you? Did they do all of that? Did you work together on your diet together or... Yeah. So I like what you mentioned where like you have to be uncomfortable and you're pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone because I mistook that to forcing myself to do these things I didn't want to do. Like I will never be a runner. So that doesn't mean I have to go out and run. And so I think that for me, I was like, oh, if I'm going to be, you know, keeping up with these motivational people, because I love those things too. <laughs> I was like, just forcing myself to do all this that I didn't want to. 
Whereas with the group fitness, I found the classes that I enjoyed. Things like cycling, things like yoga. I was like, wait, no, I like this. And the part that's pushing myself to be uncomfortable is, yeah, maybe I don't want to go every morning at 6 a.m., but I do it because I know I will enjoy it and I enjoy the feeling after. So I think that it just changed my mindset on, okay, I will always have to be forcing myself. Whereas, no, find the things that you enjoy and then just start to incorporate that more. Yeah, I mean, there's still an opportunity for you to not be overly motivated, even if it's something that you love. But I think that's where it comes in and you have to have the self-discipline to move forward. And I know even back in the day when it was life, working out was life, I would still dread certain times that I oh, I got to go to the gym. I don't want to go to the gym. I just want to sit here and watch Sex in the City or something with my girl. You know what I mean? Because that was a popular show back then, and I did watch it. I'm guilty. I'm sorry. It was just one of those things. But then I would leave. I would get to the gym, and the tunes would get cranked up or whatever it is that we're doing. We'd get started, and boom. You were in the zone. It was fun. You were having a blast, and it just it works itself out through the physical exertion. How do you think this plays against what we see online as far as the perceptions of a certain body type or perceptions of a certain look? You're not healthy unless your your legs are ripped and you got an eight pack. And you, if you're a dude, you got pecs the size of Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, it's Look, guys, you're probably not going to get those pecs, okay? I mean, it's just it's just a fact. Sorry, keep listening. Keep listening, but you're not doing that. So <laughs> it's just one of those things. So how, how do you draw that line? How do you make that distinction between the two? Yeah, so for a long time, you know, I did rely on what I saw online. I was comparing myself to that. And then also when I wanted to lose weight, where's the first place you go? I went to Google. I was like, how to lose weight? And then you have all these diets pop up. You have all these people trying to sell you these supplements, all these things. And so I think that it's really hard, you know, if you're just going with what you see online, which is why another huge part of going to this group fitness is like, no, my instructors there don't look like that. The people next to me in class don't look like that. And I think that what's important too about seeing, you know, these people with the big muscles, things like that, is that. When you look at someone, you don't know what they're doing with their habits. And usually health is in the habits. And so, you know, me looking at you, I can't tell what you eat. I can't tell what you do, you know. And so <laughs> you can't just assume like, okay, I'm going to eat this and look like that. It works differently for everyone. I know you're not looking at him going, he's a vegan. That's exactly <laughs> what he is. I can tell. Getting huge off those celery stalks. <laughs> so, yeah. So. <laughs> How much of a negative impact do you think this has on some of the folks that get sucked into these perceptions, this this Instagram reality of or, uh, you know, alternate reality of health? Yeah, I mean, that's what motivated me to start my Girls Gone Healthy, because I was like, there needs to be another place where especially like young girls, like college girls can go because that's the ones who, you know, are on Instagram and comparing themselves. And so I think that if the only thing you're seeing is girls with six packs and people, you know, with their celery juice, and then you put that as the picture of health, it's like, no, there's so many ways to do it. There's so many easier ways to do it. So I'm trying to just kind of normalize that conversation too of it doesn't have to be difficult, right? Like you won't always be motivated and it is self-growth, but it doesn't have to be hard and difficult. So with your girls gone healthy, is it primarily exercise focused or is there dietary focus to it as well? How, how does the girls gone health? What is, what is your recipe for girls going healthy? Yeah. So there's four big pillars that 
I kind of focus on. So exercise, movement that we talked about. Um, Then there is balanced nutrition. So it's not a certain meal plan, a certain diet, but just that all foods can fit. It's all about a balance. But then the other two are the two most important. So the first one is mindset, because that's kind of, you know, how I talked you through my journey. If I had this mindset of going for a weight and then, you know, that did have to transform. And then the last one is habits, because people get so in their head of, okay, I'm going to have this for lunch and then I'll do the perfect workout. And should I lift weights or do cardio? And it's like, well, none of it matters if you're only going to do it once. (laughs) Or like, if you're just going to do it for a month and fall off the wagon, like it's all about these habits. And so I think that both your mindset and habits should come before you try any specific nutrition or exercise plan. And do you have any sort of exercises or techniques that people can use to establish their mindset? What, what do you recommend if my mindset's all jacked and, you know, I'm just, I'm throwing back Twinkies all the time, which I don't do, believe it or not. What would you tell me to go, Larry, man, get your mindset right. You got to get your mindset right. You got to focus. What would you do in that scenario? How would you tell me to put this Dr. Pepper down and do some <laughs> exercises? <laughs> well, the first one, and I think you hear it a lot across any different platform, but it's just knowing your why behind something because, you know, not everyone wants to get healthier all the time. Sometimes it's like, I'm just good with where I'm at, which is fine. But if you are trying to get healthier, you know, are you doing it for weight loss? Because that can be fine, but you should also have other reasons of, you know, you want to feel better. You want to feel more energy, more positivity, like have the energy in your life. And so there's so many other reasons. And so And you can go back to that because change is so hard. Like we know that change is so hard, yet we think that our body is just going to like change really quickly. And we think that we're going to see results right away. And it's like, no, that's going to be the last thing to change. Well, see, and that's one of the biggest problems that I see with where we're at these days as far as online personas go. Uh, You know, we're programmed to want that instant gratification. We're programmed to go, okay, if I do this, then I should look like that in three weeks. And that's not how it works. You know, and even if you take the shortcuts, because some people have been kind to me, kind of rude, said, maybe you should do the the bypass thing, you know, get your stomach uh, stapled or whatever, put the sleeve on there. And, you know, that would probably work. And I probably would drop a significant amount of weight in a very short amount of time. But at the same time, what's the price for that? Now, I didn't do it properly. I didn't lose weight properly. Now, I probably, in my opinion, I look a little bit worse because now my face is melting off because I've got all this loose skin everywhere. And it's, it's just not something that ever looks good in my personal opinion. If it works for you, that's great. But again, it's not the right way to do it. And I think taking those shortcuts all have their own price to pay. It's just, are mm-hmm. you willing to pay that? Or are you willing to buckle down hit the gym or hit the the pickleball court or wherever, whatever you want to play. It doesn't matter. You want to go row, get you a boat, get your little John boat, go row around the pond or something, whatever it is that you want to do. You need to have that self-discipline and get that mindset going in that direction in order to see any long-term results. Mm -hmm. I love what you mentioned too with the instant gratification because instant gratification, it's possible, not in terms of looks, which is what people think, but in terms of energy, so a 15-minute walk just during your lunch break, during any break, that can give you enough endorphins that you'll actually notice a difference, just getting out there, getting blood moving. And so if you want instant gratifications, it'll give it to you, but just in a feeling, in 
how much energy you have not in the results that you might want on the scale. So that's another, you know, shift of mindset of, okay, we can focus on those results, but they're just going to be different. See, and I dig that because I think that if people could, could register these small wins along their way to health mastery, uh, then they would be more apt to get on that on that pathway. I think around health, getting healthy, it's all revolves around pain and 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 discomfort and this and that. But we never hear discussions of short term, not necessarily even goals, just short term, instant type gratification along the way. And the way you framed that there with getting gratification just because of firing off some endorphins, which you definitely will if you get out and move a little bit, I don't think people take that into consideration. So I really dig that perspective that you've got there. For like midterm or, or, or midway type goals, do you see people extending their workout times or incorporating other exercises or incorporating other dietary changes along the way and is there a, an end is there a goal is there a finish line to getting healthy so the finish line is definitely different for everyone but for me my finish line is what i kind of call like my health on autopilot so i'm not actively spending so much time worried about it right like i know what workouts i like to do i'm gonna do them three to four times a week I'll be active on the weekends, you know, like these things that just make me happy and come more natural. Like, yeah, some days will be harder than others, but if I know how to fuel myself to feel good and properly for my workouts, then I don't want to be stressing about it. Cause I think that's where you start at the beginning is you feel like mm -hmm. everything's so hard and you like, you have to force yourself to do everything and that they're big changes. And so my goal at the end is that it's just all kind of automatic just on autopilot. And then your other question that you had was, what does that in-between look like? And that in-between looks like, you know, maybe you found a group fitness activity that got you in the gym, right? It got you motivated at the start to sign up for a class. You keep going, you keep going. Well, then kind of branch out from there, right? Because you can have a cardio class that you really like. And it's like, okay, how can you maybe work on flexibility, mobility, maybe start adding in weeks, you know, just kind of seeing what feels good. And so that's kind of the in-between of experimenting until you get to that end place of wherever you want to be. And it's always changing. Yeah, most definitely, because we as individuals, our goals change over time. Speaking of over time, I assume things must be different based on certain demographics or age ranges, and even from male to female. Do you address changes with like generational type changes. I mean, I'm 48. So, you know, me getting out there and doing CrossFit, it ain't going to happen. You know, I'm not going to be out there on the bar barbell trying to deadlift and overhead press 135 pounds. It's just, I'm just not doing it. It's just not going <laughs> to It's funny though, man. I got a buddy of mine that I went to school with and he is right now probably at the CrossFit gym. And I've watched him over the last probably year and a half, maybe two years doing handstands and all these wild CrossFit exercises, but the dude is crushing it. He's dropped a ton of weight. He's having a blast. And he, I mean, I look at him and I go, dude, there ain't no way I'm getting up on my hands. <laughs> it ain't never going to happen. And he's doing the box jumps and all that kind of stuff, you know, that they do. So if, if it works for you, my point in saying all that is that it works for you. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you, you don't have to be 28 or 38 or 18 in order to find some of these exercise routines that work for you, or even 
Do do you have a philosophy on working out? Like, do you have, do you recommend one type? Like, for instance, you've mentioned cycling a couple of times and yoga, you know, CrossFit's kind of, kind of culty. Hopefully, (laughs) hopefully you don't CrossFit. Uh, Oh no, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the, 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 you got these groups of, of certain types of athletes that, I mean, they're very passionate about what they do and CrossFit's definitely one of those. Do you have anything that you recommend for somebody just getting started? No, not one specific thing that I recommend, but I think that a huge thing to notice with exercise too is you don't have to go to a gym and be there for 45 minutes for it to be a workout. Like how I mentioned earlier, a 15-minute walk. Okay, like what if you walk after lunch, walk after dinner? That counts as movement. You're being active. So those are the little things that can count as exercise too. So no one needs to feel bad for not going to a CrossFit gym. Or not going to cycling or doing or doing any of that. You feel bad if you go to a CrossFit gym. That's when you should feel bad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's no superior exercise, and I think that for beginners, you know, there's a lot of overwhelming information of is cardio good or bad, strength training good, bad, hit like, and they're comparing them, and it's like find the one that you like, and then you'll keep going. Like you couldn't right. force me in the CrossFit one, but your friend goes all the time, and so that's going to work perfect for him. Yeah, it has, you know, so again, I compliment him on what he's doing. Michael Beck, man, props to you, brother, if you happen to be listening to this, which you should be. We're supposed to be school friends for a long time. So anyways, no. What do you consider like a big win for you in all of this? You got frustrated on the rowing due to circumstances. You eventually found your way into a a scenario that you really, really enjoy And obviously you enjoy it enough to make it a career. So what through all of those circumstances and challenges, frustration, all of that combined, what do you consider your big win there? Um, that's a hard question because almost my biggest win isn't when I figured it out, but when, cause I feel like, okay, I figured it out with quotes as in like, I feel like it's come more naturally for me now. And then I started sharing my journey and all of these old teammates of mine were reaching out and they're like, wait, I need help with this. They're like, I'm still trying to work out four hours a day. Cause that's what I did when I was an athlete. And like, no one told me that was unhealthy. And then, you know, I had all these other people just bringing in these like very valid questions <laughs> that you wouldn't think people struggle with. Because once again, online, you don't see those issues of I know I should go to the gym, but I don't. You just see the people are like, I'm here every single day. (laughs) So I think that for me, my biggest win was realizing that the baby steps that I was doing is something that's so relatable. But then also just now that I have a balance in my life, because it's a balance between my nutrition, my physical health, my mental health, emotional, right? And so when you're prioritizing too much on your physical, you can let the other one slack. And so I think that now for me, the win is that I know how to keep it better balanced. There's always tougher days, but I know that I should incorporate all of it and not focus on one to call myself healthy. No, and I I really dig that because so many times we do get caught up and we see so many people getting caught up in one uh, with, with their focus on one thing. And if you do focus, like for instance, take a bodybuilder, for example, I used to hang out with a bunch of bodybuilders being a buck 55 and six foot three. I didn't exactly fit in, but there's a picture of me and some of my fight buddies and they're all standing there in their fight shorts with no shirts. And then here's Lair on the end with his shirt on. 
<laughs> so, you know, it's just, it's just the way it was. I mean, it's, that's just it. But, you know, if I focused hardcore on just lifting weights, then what am I going to feel emotionally, you know? Or if I focus real hard on cardio and I ignore my diet, am I going to be dropping off there? Am I going to go maybe even on the extreme and bulimic because I'm not, I'm not going to eat right uh, in order to achieve that, that size goal that I have? So I, th- I think you're, you're spot on right there with the whole concept of balance. And I like that you said that. And... Uh, I think a lot of people need to hear that. And because of that, where all do you share your message and how do you get it out to the, to the masses? Yeah. So my girls gone healthy podcast is where I mostly share the information. And then also, you know, I do have courses where I help people. It's called like health you enjoy. So basically everything we're talking about here of making a process you enjoy talking about that. So yeah, that's where I mostly try to share my message. No, that's great, man. A podcast is a great way to get your message out, right, folks? So <laughs> we all love podcasting here. This is great, man. But that that's really cool. I really commend you on for what on what you're doing instead of letting something that didn't quite go the way you wanted to get you down and hold you back. You took it, you embraced it, and you turned it into a business and you turned it into a, a message. And it's a message of hope for so many people that do get out there and see all these Instagram models and all these Facebook stuff and give in or, or try to give in to that peer pressure to meet a certain standard that who set that standard anyways? Yeah, no, it's definitely been getting, you know, more extreme, especially on social media, especially like in the news. And so, you know, it's hard to kind of my point of view is trying to bring like everything to the middle of like, okay, it can be easy. So then, you know, you have the people reaching out and they're like, oh, what's the girls gone healthy meal plan? What's your exercise plan? I was like, oh no, it's whatever you want. And they're like, mind blown. And they're like, I don't know what this means. <laughs> right, right. No, I love it. That's a great take, you know, and you're trying to counter the culture of tons of plastic surgery to look a certain way. I mean, look at a Kardashian. I don't know which one it is. The little one there. She don't even look the same she uh, that she did when she was born. It's like a totally different person. She's had so much work done. And people sit back and they look at that and they go, okay, well, she did this. This is how I can get healthy. And you know, I think there's some flaws there in, in a couple of different respects in the, the mental aspect of it, because I don't think you could be that emotionally happy or satisfied if you're going under the knife all the time to look a certain way. That's just my personal opinion. And then, of course, physically, are you healthy? You know, are your vitals in good shape? Are your 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 levels in check? I mean, is everything working out for you there? Uh, I, I think somebody like you is exactly people need to hear. And uh, I appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, Emily, your show, once again, your podcast is called Girls Gone Healthy, right? Yep. Girls Gone Healthy. Where can people find that and what's your website and all that fun stuff? Yep. So Girls Gone Healthy available probably wherever you're listening to this podcast, (laughs) any podcast streaming site. And then find me on Instagram. It's at Girls Gone Healthy podcast. That's where I love to talk one on one. So come reach out. Come say hi. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it was a blast. I really appreciate your time. And I can't wait to let everybody hear this episode. So, Emily, thank you so much. Thanks. Bye-bye.